Thank you for tuning in to the East Denali Baptist Church podcast, where you will hear messages that are challenging to you in your walk with Jesus every week. All right. So, hey, get your Bibles, and we're going to jump on into this to get things rolling here. And I'm excited about uh, uh, our topic. I told you last week we started a new series, and we're calling it, calling it uh, Given to Belong. And you and I have been given the opportunity to belong to something that, that Jesus himself said that the, the gates of Hades will not prevail against. We have the opportunity to be part of, a, of, a, uh, of an entity, of an organization, of an organism. Well, there's a lot of different ways people have tried to describe it, uh, but it's, it's his church. It's, uh, and we tried to define last week what the church is and what the church is not because there's a lot of confusion with what the church is. And uh, our culture says a lot of things of what, it, what you should think about church and how you should act in church, or how you believe church ought to be and how you ought to uh, uh, not go to church because of these things or how you should go to church because of these things. There's a lot of confusion, I, I think, in our culture. And so what I want us to do today is jump back into understanding a little bit of, and, and Jacqueline, I didn't tell you this, but I can control the slides up here so you don't have to worry about it. So uh, you're like, praise Jesus. <laughs> so last week we, we, we jumped in and we defined and we, de- we were, were thinking this and we discovered that the church at its very basic root and the very basic purpose is God's presence on the planet. The church itself, I mean, collectively the church is God's presence on this planet. And what we mean by that is we looked at a couple different things. We looked at, at what God called the church and we made a couple of determinations first and foremost. Is Number one, that the church... Uh, is more of a who than a what. We talked about this. Uh, it's more about the people that are coming together instead of what they're coming uh, together uh, and, and, and a place that it is or something like that. It's more of a who than a what. And the second thing we talked about was it's a, it's a people, not a place. Right? So if we get these things in our mind, a lot of times we say we go to... Oh, come on now. It's, it's participation time, right? Uh, so we go to... That's partially uh, uh, correct and a lot incorrect because it's not a place that church isn't a place you go to. Church is a people that you gather with. Okay, we have to keep in mind that church isn't a location 906 Tennessee Avenue or whatever county road that is in Riceville that we're on in East Nolly uh, or uh, where North Etowah is or on Pennsylvania or it, it doesn't matter the location of the building. Uh, the church is not a place. Uh, it's a people that gathers uh, for under one name, under one, uh, under one name. The last one we talked about kind of culminated with uh, was this, uh, this idea that biblically speaking, and we looked at some of this, and, and I challenge you, go find one and bring them back to me. Find a churchless Christian, a churchless follower of Jesus in the New Testament. You won't find one. Uh, I challenge you, go find one and come back and let's talk, because I don't want to say that over and over and over again to people that I, I come in contact with and be wrong. So help me out with this, right? So if you find a churchless Christian, a churchless follower of Jesus, a churchless disciple in the New Testament, come let me know. I have yet to find one. They are always associated with the gathering of believers known as the church in the New Testament. Always. And so we have to keep that in mind. We have to figure that out. So we, we also talked about some things that the church is not more specifically. It's not a club. Uh, we treat it like a club a lot. Uh, we, you sign up for it. You pay, your, you pay your dues. They give you a service, something like that. The church is not a club. Uh, it's, a vol- it's not a voluntary organization with an uh, optional membership. 
If you are a believer in Jesus, all those songs that we just sung about the freedom and the victory we have in Jesus because of the resurrection of Jesus and the death of Jesus and, and his soon coming again, all those things we just sung about, if that's truly your belief and your conviction and you put your faith and your trust in this word that we hold in our hands, guess what? We don't have an option. It's not a voluntary thing to be part of God's church. We are part of God's church. We either are part of it universally, whether we talked about last week, being the invisible church, and we experience less and less relationship that way, or we're part of the visible church, which is known as the local congregation, the local body of Christ, and when we're part of a local body, we're, we're part of the visible church, and we experience relationship with the church. That's why we've been given a gift to belong to something. It's not about going to church, it's about belonging with the church. And so, talked about that a little bit. Uh, it's not just a friendly group of people with a common interest in religious activities. Now, that's not what a church is. We have a mission, we'll talk about that a little bit today. We're not just a, a church, is not just a service provider for the people that come or for the community. Although we do those things, we take care of each other. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. We take care of each other, and we take care of the community. But we're not a, ser a service place, a service station is not just what the church is. But we have all those misconceptions in our culture, in our community. Now, last week we looked at Ephesians. I want you to turn there real fast. Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, we came up with three identifiers of what the church is from the Word. Okay, What did... What did Paul, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pen put to, from, 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 from Holy uh, Spirit interaction that he had, that he took a pen and he wrote it on papyrus. What did Paul, the Holy Spirit, say through Paul's pen for us to identify the church? But Ephesians chapter 2, at the end of it, or, or, or over in verse 18 and following, uh, or sorry, 19, we get some indicators of what Paul, what the Holy Spirit called the church. What the descriptors, what the church is. And so look at verse 19, and we're going to read down through this really fast, and, and we see these three things, and this is what we are. If you are in here today, look at me. If you are in here today and you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus, I mean, you're forsaking all. You're killing, you're killing the flesh. You're walking in the Spirit. You've confessed Him as Lord. You are, you are pursuing Him with all that you are. If that's the reality of you, this is what the Bible says you are. You're not a gathering place for social needs. You're not a service station for you and, and everybody else. You're, you're not these things that we just talked about. This is what the Bible says. Look at verse 19. It says, So then you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens. First thing we talked about, you are now a fellow citizen. You are now part of a new nation. You are a people. The church is a people. We talked about it. The, you're no longer a stranger or an alien. You're no longer an, uh, you're no longer an immigrant uh, you're no longer a foreigner. You have been brought in and you placed in a new nation and you have full citizenship rights to the kingdom of God, right? And you're a people known as, like we call it, we're America. We're Americans, right? We're known as Mer Americans here in the U.S. But here it is in Scripture, we have something that supersedes and trumps even our nationality as Americans. We have the, we have the all uh, uh, privileges and the rights and the responsibilities of a new citizen in the kingdom of God. We're a people that is now brought into, and we're no longer aliens. We're no longer out there people. We're now part of what God has instituted and he's building. And so we go into the next one. So the first one, we're a people. The next one, uh, Paul uses these words. You are members of God's household. He uses a family language. He talks about family. You're, you're, you're no longer just guests in the house. 
Now you're a member of the house. You got backdoor guests. Anybody have a backdoor guest? That come, they just have freedom. They know where the key is. Let themselves in. They make themselves at home. They come in your kitchen. If there's a fried pie already made, they have freedom to get that. You've given them freedom. Why? Because they're no longer strangers in your household. We are no longer strangers in God's house. We have been made now a member of God's house, and now we are family. We can kick our feet up, take our shoes off when we come in. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to ask where the cups are. We know where the cups are, right? We don't have to ask for those things. We have full privileges in the household. It's a family language that Paul uses here. So not, not only are we a people or a new nation, or we're, we're part of the nation of, of God, we are also known as his family. We talk a lot about we ought to act like family with each other. We fight for each other like family, right? And then look down at the very, verse, very, very bottom of verse 20, 21. It says that we grow into a holy temple in the Lord, and in him also we build each other up as a God's dwelling. It's not only that we are a people, not only that we are uh, a family, but with this it gets back to God's presence on the planet. We are now his temple here on earth. And in his temple, we looked at the tabernacle, we looked at the temple, and we looked at ourselves as the new temple, what God is building, Jesus Christ is building. We are his presence here on earth. Let that sink in. There's some weight behind that. That should change why we go to work, why we find a job. It's more than a paycheck. It's because we're God's presence in that workplace. We are, now, uh, we are now the spirit of the living God in a tough place to breathe life into people that are dead. We do CPR day in and day out at the place that we go and we work and that we live in our neighborhoods. You're not just a member of that subdivision. You're not just stuck in the cul-de-sac of that subdivision. You are placed there by God Almighty so that you can be God's presence in that community among those neighbors. And our God's presence is best revealed in community, known as the church. Go to one place. Go to Genesis, all the way back to the very first. God's presence is most revealed in community. Look at how God created us. Genesis chapter 1. Look down at verse 26. This is the creation story, how God created the earth in six days. He took a rest on the seventh day. But when it says in verse 26 here uh, about how God created you and me, how he created mankind, it's a unique thing that points us to how God's presence is most uniquely seen on the planet. Here it is. Verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Now who's there? God, is God just talking to himself? And all of a sudden, Self is talking back to him, and that's, that's scary at times. You know, so Gabby and I, we were driving the other day. <laughs> She's doing nursery, so I can tell this story. Um, Y'all can go ask her about it after. But we were driving somewhere the other day, and all of a sudden, I, it was quiet for a while. You know how it gets quiet like that, you know, parents and their kids aren't saying anything, but it's only Gabby and me in the car. We weren't having any conversation between each other. All of a sudden, she goes, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, I'm looking over, I'm looking ahead, looking over, like, looking in rearview mirrors, Libby and Phoebe in the back, and it's, no, I don't think so. I'm like, what are you doing? What, who are you talking to? And she starts laughing just like she realized she had this conversation in her head, and she started talking audibly about this conversation that was in her head. Jesus, or God, is not just talking to himself here. He has a community of people here. 
He has a community of persons here. He has himself, God the Father. He has Jesus the Son, and he has the, uh, God the Holy Spirit here. That's why he says, let us, let us, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, make man in our image. The only image that God has is three persons. It's, it's revealed in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see in community is when God's presence is revealed the most, even in the creation of you and me as man, as mankind. Even in the creation, he creates us in his image, according to our, this is what he goes on to say, according to our likeness, all three of them. We were created as a communal spirit and a communal being, just like Jesus, the, uh, the Son, the Holy Spirit and God the Father are three in one. He's created us for that purpose. So God's presence on the planet is not just seen. It can be seen in an individual out doing their thing for the Lord, which we need to go out individually and do our thing for the Lord. I agree. But God's presence is most seen and visible when us as individuals, we come together and all of our junk is exposed to each other and we encourage each other and we build each other up and we assemble together as God's presence on the earth and God's presence on the planet is now seen best in the local assembly of believers who follow Jesus Christ and the confession of Jesus Christ under his banner that's called the local church. That is the greatest expression of love and, and the greatest expression of God's presence on the planet. Now, there's a lot of things that people say. There's some, some perceptions that are, are, are particularly uh, a problematic for this in our culture. And so the title of today's message, all that's pre, pre, precursor stuff, right? So the title of today's message is personal, not private. When you are given to belong, things are very, very, very personal, I promise you. But it's never private. It's not a private journey. It's not a private uh, uh, situation. And probably I think that some people with this idea of the church being God's presence on the planet, and it's a very personal thing, this walk with Jesus, this walk with God, it's very personal, but it's not meant to be private. And we get to this understanding here that the presence of God on earth is a communal thing. Some of the perceptions that we have in, on the planet are maybe some of these things. I think we, uh, we all or, or people fall into these categories. Let's think about it this way. Indifferent. Indifferent. People are just completely indifferent about the church. Basically, they say, oh, you can take it or leave it. It's a mentality. You can go to church or you don't go to church. It's fine. As long as you worship Jesus, just have a good time with Jesus. Again, it's personal but not private. Uh, what about uh, this one? Uh, just ignorance. Okay? This, this isn't stupidity. Ignorance is, is, is just the uh, simply uninformed of the, what the truth is. Or they're misguided by a different uh, uh, a way of thinking. So they don't really truly know what the church is. That's why this series is so important for us. Because as we go hit the streets in Edwell and McMinn County, and we meet people and talk with people, we need to give them the true biblical perspective of what the church is so they truly understand. Because there's a lot of jacked up ways to think about church. Would you agree? All right, so we, got, we, we need to lay it out on the platter for them to fully understand what we're about here at East Nolly Etowah. Right, and so, so just ignorance. They, they really don't know what the Bible says the church is or what Jesus said that his church is and what a church is not. What about this one? Just indecisive. Should I, should I not join? We're going to get a little bit to that answer today, today with our question and a little bit about membership. Is it biblical? Is, is church membership in 2019 a biblical prop, uh, concept and a biblical path for us to consider? Uh, what about this one? Uh, you got people that are just independent, right? Think Iron Man. Any Avenger fans in here? Endgame just came out. Hadn't seen it yet. I've seen a lot of the other ones, but, but Iron Man. 
Iron Man has all of it, right? He's built it all. He's built himself into this indestructible thing that needs no help. And of all the Avengers, the one that has the most problem working as a team is who? Iron Man. <laughs> you know, they're all in, the, in on it. They're all coming together for the single cause. Even at the, uh, the, the moment that they need to, to band together, finally Iron Man says, okay, I'll do this thing. But then he's, he's jetting off, doing his thing. So he'll pop in, pop out, pop in, pop out, help out the Avengers as needed, and, and be part of the team as needed, but he's very, very, very independent. Can I, can I say this? The church isn't about you. The church doesn't need you. And the church, at times, doesn't want me. I won't say you at that point, right? Put, put you and me in all those, all those phrases, Right? The church, the church is, is, is what Jesus is building. And guess what? If we just give ourselves and surrender ourselves to him and what he desires and how he wants to reveal his presence on earth, then, then we understand that this whole Bible that we read is not about us. It's about him and his kingdom. And, and then, then we rightly find our place in the story. But if we read it about a self-help guide, it's God's playbook. Well, you can take it for that if you want to, but it's more, much more than a playbook. It's much more about how to get through this life and before you die and all that stuff. It's, it's about God, knowing God, understanding what His church is, and understanding who we are in light of who He is. That shapes us. If you read this as a self-help guide that you get from any store at Walmart or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million or anything, you're going to miss the point of this book. The point of this book is knowing God. Jesus. The point of this book is understanding who God is and let that blow your mind to the point that you just fully fall in love with your creator. Then you find your story. Then you find your place in it. Then you find joy and peace and happiness and kindness and patience and perseverance and endurance through anything that life may throw you, right? That's what we have to keep in mind here. So, so, so uh, just independence is not found in Scripture. At all. At all. We, the, the three greatest things God gave us. Number one, outside of salvation. Let's start with salvation. Salvation, the greatest gift ever given to us as man, right? Would you agree? We all would say yes. And so salvation could not be determined or given or become a reality for any of us in and of ourselves. We are completely incapable of achieving salvation. Because we all are deprived to the point that we cannot uh, even think about God or long for God. Romans 3 tells us that. We're all, we're all so depraved that that cannot be how we get to, to God. We can't make our way. We can't build the ladder tall enough to reach heaven and reach our, our, our place with God. We can't make it there. And the, and the analogy of every, you know, God's on this big ship and we're out floating in the water and he throws out a lifeline in Jesus and you latch onto that, that that's, that's crazy. Because Ephesians 2 tells us that we're dead. We're not floating in the sea and can't get out of the sea. We're dead. We're spiritually dead. And without, dead people can't do anything. Can we agree with that? Is that truth we can say amen to? Dead people can't do anything. And so God breathes in life to us just like he breathed in life to himself in the tomb as Jesus was dead. He breathed life and Jesus is now alive. Dude's alive, dude's dead, dude's alive again, right? I mean, that's your life. That's your testimony if you place your faith in Him. So salvation, greatest gift we could ever get. We can't do anything with it. It was given to us so that we could belong to one of the other greatest gifts He gave us, the church. He gave us the church because we need the church. We need the church. But I want to say this, and, and, and this may sound, sound, I said it a second ago, maybe this sounds like an oxymoron to you. The church don't need you. 
from that mindset of, I'm the best, and I'm going to make this church the best. All right? Now, I'm going to follow that up, and it's really going to sound like I'm talking out both sides of my cheeks or something like that. I'm outside my mind. The church don't need you. needs to be the active attitude of our minds. But what we need to understand is the church needs you. He need, the church, she, the church, needs the gift that God's given you if you have found salvation in Christ. That's what the church needs out of you, is your gift. And when you are an Iron Man, Lone Ranger type person that never really commits to a church body and you pop around to all the other churches or whatever it may be, then you never implement the thing that the church needs, which is the gift God has given you so that you can belong somewhere and find your place in the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel. Are you with me? That's what the church needs. doesn't need you per se. He, the church needs the gift God's given you, which only you have. I've said this before. When you sing a song, whether it's up here in your seat, when you sing a song, nobody on the planet ever is worshiping Jesus like you are at that moment. Only you can worship Jesus the way he's wired you to worship him. Only you can. It's so unique, it's so powerful, and it's so, it's, it's so majestic when we get to that understanding that we understand God has wired us and gifted us in a very unique way. And so... So that was much more than I intended, but I feel like that is such an independent thing that we in America struggle with. I'm my own person. I'll figure it out. Pull myself up by the bootstraps and make myself look good the next day, and I'll go to work and my smile on, and I'll never let anybody know anything's wrong in my life or I'm struggling with anything or I need some help. We all need help. The greatest help we need is, sal is salvation through Christ. That's the greatest thing we need. And then we need each other in the church. The other two greatest gifts are his word and his spirit. But I'm not going to get into those right now. The last thing. Current perceptions I see in the church. It's kind of inverted. What I mean by this is two things. One, you never emotionally left where you once were. So you may have moved communities. You may have moved towns. You may have, your job may have taken you somewhere else. I experienced this when I was in college. When I went to college... Uh, I was part of Candy's Creek Church in, in uh, Charleston, Tennessee, right outside of Cleveland. And, um, excuse me, no, I wasn't. Let me backtrack. Uh, not when I was in college, when I, when I had left Candy's Creek to come to camp. Let me put it that way. That's, that's the time I realized this. Uh, when I left Candy's Creek, I was on staff there. I was uh, um, a member there for three years before I was on staff, so a total of eight years. Fell in love with the church, fell in love with the people, fell in love with, with what God was doing in and through that, and, and their, their emphasis on mission. That's where God birthed missions in my heart and in my mind. Uh, the emphasis on discipleship that I received from the pastor that was there, Pastor Jamie. You guys, met, many of you guys have met him when he was in. Uh, him and Dana are serving over uh, in a foreign land right now. You can pick up their card and pray for them. But that time of my life, I found, in my mind, the perfect church. Now, it wasn't perfect that there was no problems in it. It just seemed like things were moving in a way that was productive. Things were trying to be attempted in a way that was biblical. Uh, things were orchestrated in a way that caused us to live life in community, to, to advance the gospel globally as best we could as, with the resources and the gifting that God's given us. And we were doing it locally in a way that was effective uh, to different, different parts of the community. And when I left there, I came to work Camp Livingstone's. And if you're part of another church here in McMahon County, please don't, this isn't a slap on, on your wrist or anything. This, is at, this was 10 years ago-ish, uh, I guess. 
And uh, at the time I came in, I knew some churches, and we visited a couple places, and, and the reality was, my problem was, I had this inverted look of, I'm never going to attach anywhere that's not Candy's Creek, right? I'm never going to be able to settle in to another body of Christ known as the local church because it wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't what I thought was great. It wasn't what I had enjoyed for eight years. It wasn't going to, to, to match that. So the, the sin of comparison was all over my life, right? And I was comparing everything to Candy's Creek. I'm like, man, nothing, nothing here was my, was my thing. Nothing here. Michelle and I talked about nothing here, speaking of Mitman County, is a church that we can get plugged into. Instead of me praying, Lord, where do I need to fit into your global scheme to fit with a local body that I can implement the gifts that you've given me for the purpose of serving a church? Two completely mindsets I had to figure out and I had to, I had to, I had to shake off and, and, and get past. I compared everything. My, 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 my mind was inverted because I had this past exp expression of the church that I loved. And was good. I had great, strong friendships like the Lindberghs that are here today. And, 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 and families that just took Michelle and I in and loved our girls. And I longed for that. And guess what? You're never going to find that the first week that you're at a new church. Can I tell you that? Let me, let me, let me burst your bubble. You're never going to find that this first month that you attend a church. Guess what? You may not ever find that the first year that you attend a church. That deep friendship, that deep camaraderie as brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that love of, of, of people that you may not even know that worship Jesus with you, around you. You may not find that the first year. Guess how long we were at Candy's Creek? Eight years. That's why it was sweet. We had invested our lives in people, and people had invested their life in us. That's why it was sweet and hard to leave. But a lot of people, they may have a home church. If you go to college, that's what I was going to get to in a second. Uh, if you go to college, a lot of people don't ever uh, get plugged into a local church in co college because they're, they like their home church. They don't want to hurt anybody's feeling at home. But if the people at home had the right perspective, they want them to get plugged into a church because they know that they need the church, right? And so, so there's a lot of thoughts with that as far as uh, just you're emotionally connected to where you just left. You have a home church in the community that you grew up in. It's my home church where I was baptized, where I was saved, where I went to VBS and all that stuff. And that's great memories. But guess what? God never wants to leave you where you are. Something I've learned. God never wants to leave you where you are. He'll take anybody as they are, but he never wants to leave you where you are. And so that may be a change of church, a change of scenery, a change of, of community, a change of location for a summer, a change of location for a lifetime. It may, it may be any of that. He never wants to leave you where you are. Because change is what the gospel is all about. The, the gospel changes you from dead to alive. And from there, you experience life again. And you experience life again. And you experience life. The gospel is about continual, perpetual change until you're with him in glory. That's what the gospel is about. If we live it like we ought to, that's the reality. Check this out. Turn to John with me. We're going to look at two verses here. And wrap this up in, I promise, ten minutes. Okay? You're like, whatever. Here we go. John chapter 13, we're going to look at two verses, and we'll try to pull, some, pull a couple of things to help us clearly define membership, church, that kind of stuff. What is a church 
as we continue th this conversation. So John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. This is a new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus speaking. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's read that one more time. A new commandment I give you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We've been given to belong in something that is very personal, not private. It's very personal, not private. First thing I want you to see is this, is that the church is known. The church is known. Look, at, uh, look back at that verse. The, uh, the church is known. The first part of here is the first part of the line in verse 35. By this, all people will know. If we want to be a church that brings glory to God, we're going to be known if you want to be a person, an individual that has been saved by Jesus, have been brought out of the, the pits of hell and into the kingdom of the Son that, Jesus, that God loves, the Son of Jesus, uh, the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom of life, if that's your reality, and you, you ought to be known. Why? Because the Bible says you will be known. The Bible says that, you are, that all people will know you if a couple of things happen, that you have been... Place your, you have placed your faith in Jesus and you are uh, pursuing this activity called loving one another, then you are known as what he desires you to be known as. So the first thing is that the church is known. Now, what are we known for, church? <laughs> Don't answer that out loud because we want to end here on a happy, happy ending, right? What, what typically is the church known for? Just play it back in your head. Just play it back, what you've heard. If we are known for the right things, it's going to make a difference. And God's presence on this planet is going to be greatly known by people who long and want that type of community. And it's going to be a reality that we would be effective for his kingdom if we're known about the right things. Not about all the things we're against. Although we are against some things. Let me clarify. Make, make, make sure that we're abundantly clear. There are things in this culture we have to be against. Why are we against it? Because it's against God's word. If we go against something that's against, or for something that's against God's word, then we're not really being loving and we're not really being followers of Jesus Christ the way the Great Commission tells us to, that we baptize and we teach them to observe or teach them to obey all the things that I've taught you. So if it's something outside of the will of God, the word of God, then we're following something that's not right. And we're, at, we're in disobedience to our creator. That's not a good thing. So we are against things. Now, I'm not saying we never say what we're against. What I'm saying is, are we more known for the things we're against, or are we more known for the things that we're for? Are we for love? Do we treat each other in-house with great amount of love? Do we treat each other in the house and in the family with great amount of patience and perseverance and endurance? Do we treat each other in a, in inside the family that, that helps us shape each other's minds and hearts to look like Jesus so that when we're out in the community, all of a sudden we look like Jesus out in the community? This, this, is, this is house talk. This is family meeting time right here. Are we treating each other that way? Do we love each other in that manner? So, so we have to be known. We, a church is known. Are we known for something? Are we known for the right things? The second thing that the church is, is, is that the church is identifiable. Okay? Let's go back to our verse here. The church is identifiable. The second part there, there that's in a, italics there. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. It's very clear what the church is known as. What are they known as? Jesus' 
disciples. We're not known as East Nolly. I could care less if we had a name on that building out here. We're going to be known as East Nolly as the place that gathers. That's fine. But we're not raising the banner of East Nolly. We're raising the banner of Jesus as his disciples. That's where we have to stay centered on, is raising the name of, of, of Jesus above all things and everything else. The last thing we see here. Whoop, it's sliding on me. There you go. The church is distinct. The church is distinct. What is our distinguishing factor? Go back to our verse. If you have love for one another. You can't keep everything with Christ and everything with your spiritual life personal and be known as Jesus' disciples who love one another. You with me? Let me say that again. You can't keep everything in your life about Christ and your spiritual life personal and still be known as a disciple of Jesus who loves one another. The church is distinct. The church is, um, is identifiable. And the church is known as a bunch of people who follow Jesus, confess Him as Lord, give their life to Him in such a way that they are known in every aspect of their life. Now, here's the problem. We don't typically do anything with every aspect of our life, right? We've, we've let the lie of church, church and state come into the, lie, uh, uh, to the life of the church. Well, let's be known as this as a church. Let's be known as this as a church. Let's be known as this as a church. Instead of, and, and, and then let, let me let my, my, my ministry life be known as this. Let my personal life be known as this. Let my family life be known as this. Let my vacation life be known as this. Let my downtime of life and my hobbies be known as this. Whereas the Bible tells us everything that we are about, the totality of who we are, should be known as distinctively a person who is loving others because they're a disciple of Jesus because they are known by him and they know him deeply. Y'all stop saying amen. It's all of your life. The problem is we silo everything and we treat every aspect of our life differently. Why, do, why does the world not know what we're for? Because we talk about what we're for in here and then when we're out there we only talk about what we're against. We encourage each other with what we're for in here, but we never talk about anything spiritual when we're out there. We talk about sports, we talk about the mountains, we talk about our hobbies, we talk about life, we talk about problems with our kids, we talk about problems with our families, we talk about problems in our community, we talk about problems at the church, at the, at the, we talk about problems at the school building, we talk about problems with our government, we, we talk about all those things, but we never talk about anything spiritual. One of the things we're doing on a community group is learning how we can weave a conversation in place through our normal everyday conversations that brings the gospel and spiritual true matters into the conversation. So let me encourage you to be here at 6 so we can continue that conversation. But we've got to be known and we have to be identifiable and we've got to be distinct in what God has put into place. And what is that? That God is glorified by a bunch of people who have trusted Jesus that are his disciples and follow him and they are showing it by the way that they love each other. It's the identifiable thing about the church. Are we known for that? Here's, here's what a, a guy named of Thabiti. I can't, I'm not going to attempt this last part, but Thabiti is his name. Check this out. I thought that he's right on point here. 
The local church is the, most, is the place where love is most visibly and uh, complete, compellingly displayed among God's people. It is where the body of Christ is most plainly represented in the world. Why? Because a bunch of people who look differently, think differently, have different careers, have different family upbringings, who have differences on every angle, and especially if you get into a, a multicultural, multi-diverse type of, of setting, which I pray that we will be one day, that when you get into all of that type of, of setting in here, it's the best display of the gospel for the world to understand and see. Because there's nothing more, nothing more um, uh, distinctly different than God, the Creator, and His created. Nothing more different. You can't explain the differences between God and us. If you get this room full of people from, from all cultures and all societies and all walks of life and all family backgrounds and all likes and different preferences and all that stuff, and we can truly, actively love each other, whoo, that's a display of the gospel to the fullest. And that can't be done by itself. If I go out there and live my life as a Christian hermit, I come out when I have to eat, talk to people, say, hi, bye, okay, I'm out. And I never interact with, with anybody in any specific way that brings about the truth of the gospel is real to me. Guess what? I'm not, I'm not even a glimmer of a light for the kingdom. But when I'm with you guys, when I'm with you guys, and I hope you get the same, we encourage each other. There's a building up of each other. There's an honesty with each other that's unique. There's a, there's a uh, distinctive love that's among us. If we let that be our household here known as East Nali Etowah, and we lift the banner of Jesus above everything that we are about and everything we do, now we put together and assemble this group of Avengers that doesn't make sense that they come together for one purpose, for one mission, for one, one outcome. And what a display of God's power when that can happen. Let me, let me give you, this is what most churches are. It's a gathering of people that like to have fun together. All their needs are met. They have all the best amenities. They have a swimming pool. They have uh, all the good stuff, right? They get together for a, a good time, right? It's an easement of life. There's no hard, hard things. You just go about it, right? But this is what I think, and I saw this a few years back. This is what I think that we, we as a church, ought to be like. This is what I think the Bible says we ought to be like. An aircraft carrier that's armed with all that is needed to win a war. We, you, me, your families that have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have been given a gift, you have been given a weapon that's known as the Word of God, you've been given a, the power that's known as the Spirit of God, and we can take down anything that comes against us. That's why Jesus himself said that I'm going to build my church and not even the gates of Hades are going to prevail against it. Why? Because it's the most powerful entity on the planet. Because it's the presence of God on the planet. That's a dark place that, that, that Satan seems like he's winning the war. He's not. If you believe the songs we just sung, you ought to be shouting amen right there. Satan thinks and people think that Satan's winning the war, but he's not. 
Because we are an aircraft carrier in a fleet of, of churches around the world that we are going out on a mission to overcome the dark places of the world and dark places of our community and the dark places of your family. You can't fight the battle for the dark places in your family by yourself. You need the Spirit of God, you need the Word of God, and you need the Church of God. All on your side so we can fight together. We can advance the gospel together. We can move together. Here's the last thing I'm going to show you. And I'm going to encourage you to just take a picture of this and, or write it down in your notes. But we are His people that's been put together for a purpose. He's given us a new commandment. I'm going to reiterate it here. Verse 34 and 35. I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you, Jesus says. You are also to love one another. My uh, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So why would you be a member of a fleet of believers? By an army of believers. Why would you do that? So that you can experience some of these things that are up here. Or, or what does it look like? Sorry, what does it look like? It looks like you're part of, you're, you're here often. I'm not saying you've got to be here all the time. You're going to take vacation, you're going to be sick. But you should be here more than you're not. You should be part of the church that you attend, whether it's here or somewhere else in the future, more than you're not. Why? Because we need that constant building up of each other. We, should, we as members, should seek peace. We should love. That's the loving aspect of each other. We should build each other up as the body. We should build up each other. That's edify each other. When we're here, it's not just about, hey, how was your week? Good, okay, bye. Hope you got your coffee before you got in here, right? We ought, to, we ought to encourage each other. We ought to go out to eat lunch together sometimes afterwards or, or sometime through the week. We ought to assemble together and be part so we can build each other and edify each other up in the Lord, right? We ought to warn. Now, nobody likes this. We ought to warn and admonish each other. Part of, part of an army is to pinpoint things that people are weak in so that you can make the platoon stronger. You strategically put people where, they're, where they need to be to, so that you can advance together. Here's the thing with our families and with our individuals as a church and for us as a collectivist church, some of us struggle with certain things, but we don't know it. Some of us have some strongholds, but we don't know it. And so you live in a community. Why? So you can encourage somebody, admonish one another, and you can warn somebody about something that may be in their life. It's called accountability. See, if you're, if you're uh, the Iron Man type of believer... You don't want any accountability. He's the only one accountable for himself, right? But he has blind spots. We all have blind spots. I need people, I need men telling me, hey, Bo, that attitude you showed the other day was stunk. Hey, what you've done over the past three months, something seems off what's going on in your life. How can I pray for you? How can I, how can I encourage you through that hard, dark place in your life? I need that. You need that. But that's, that's one of the hardest things for church people to be. Right? Pursues reconciliation. We're good about kicking somebody to the curb. We don't like to reconcile the relationship with each other, right? But a good church member, a good church is going to pursue, a healthy church is going to pursue reconciliation over just, uh, over just discipline, right? But they will discipline each other. Patience with one another. Prepares for the ordinances, for, for Lord's Supper and for uh, baptism. You know that we're having a special service just for the Lord's Supper. Are you going to be here? It's not on Sunday or, 
or Wednesday, maybe a special thing like a Good Friday service or something like that, would you still come because that's your part of this community that comes together for these things that God has ordained for us to do. Supports the work of the church. That's time, that's effort with your gift, implementing your gift inside the church, that's giving for the church to pursue the ministries that, that we've done in the community and so it keeps the doors open and all that. We support the ministry of the church. That's what membership looks like. Now, I didn't get into what uh, is, uh, is, membership, um, is membership actually biblical. We'll look at that in a few weeks, okay? Because I know that's a big question. I have some friends that, man, they love the Lord. They love the Lord, but they won't, put, they won't, they won't jump on board with any church. They're, they're ones that kind of indecisive. They'll, they'll go and belong there for a little while to some place for a little while, but they won't... Um, they won't just uh, spend their time and energy and effort uh, giving themselves to a church. But guys, this is what I want us to see as, as they come up and get ready to lead us. We have been given a great privilege, opportunity, and responsibility to belong to the, the, the thing Jesus says that he's building, his church. And it's a privilege. And it's a responsibility. And it carries great weight. So let me ask you are, you, are you at a point in your life where your next step with a church, whether it's here or somewhere else, and you'll hear me say that all the time, if you're not supposed to be here, don't be here because you're messing us up, right? If you're supposed to be here and you're not here, you be here because you're messing us up. But if you're not supposed to be here, go, go somewhere else so that you can get plugged in. I, I will champion that every day that I, I got a chance to breathe because I believe that God places people strategically on the ship that he wants to fight a battle with. Okay, so, so where do we go? Where, where do you go? What's your next step? Are you serving here? Are you serving where you're at? And for some of you that guys that are, are guests, are you, are you plugging in so that you can be part of the mission of advancing the gospel? Another thing, I, I, so that's one fold I want us to pray right now in this song. You pray for yourself. What's next for you? Here's the second thing I want you to pray. That last picture had three ships in it, right? Had three. To me, that represents three different church, local churches. Linking together for the purpose of, of pursuing the mission of God together. I want us to pray during this time. Pray for yourself. Respond as you need. But if you're, if you're released from, from, from that prayer, I want you to pray for our churches in our area. These are our brothers and sisters that are on the same mission. Maybe their, their ship's a little pointed a different direction, and they're missing, missing the mark in some direction. But let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Why? They're family. Again, Universal Church, I'm, I'm still for that. That's the truth of Scripture. We are connected across the, across the world, and the worldwide church, universal church, invisible. that's our brothers and sisters. So pray for the ones in our community. Pray for brothers and sisters, Pastor Javier's church in Puerto Rico. Let's spend some time praying for our churches, praying for ourselves. What's next? Here's the biggest issue. The only way to be part of the church is if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, today's your day. If you never truly confess Him as your Lord and as the Savior of the world and you haven't believed in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you're, you're missing it. You're not on the ship yet. Really, according to Ephesians 2, 1, and 1 through 10, you're spiritually dead. Let Him breathe life into you today. Any of those things you want to talk with me, come up here and pray. But let's stand. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing. Let's respond to the Lord. God, you're so good to us.
Father, such a honor to be part of your church, such a privilege to be called your people, such a privilege to be called your son or your daughter, such a privilege to be called a, uh, a temple of the living God. Lord, I pray that we never take that for granted. I pray that we never take that lightly. I pray that we never defame your name because of our names in the way or a name of a particular local building that we lift up as a great church or anything else like that. Lord, I pray that we lift up your name, Jesus. So Lord, take us, take our responses right now and help us understand that this thing that you have given us to belong to, the church, is very, very personal. Yes, it should be very personal. It should sink deeply into the roots of who we are of all of our lives, but it's never a private thing. It's not a private thing. We in America make it so much about ourselves. Let us confess and repent that, Lord. Pray in your name. Amen. I'm here if you need to pray or talk about anything. Thanks for listening to the Easton Ali Baptist Church Podcast. Be sure to go to our website, eastonali.church, to find more messages like you just heard and to find out how to be more involved at Easton Ali. If at any point during this message you made a decision to follow Jesus or you would just like more information about Easton Ali, email info at eastonali.church. God bless and have a great week.